Blog Talk Radio.
Dear Heavenly Father, we praise your name and thank you for oh, everything, everything. We praise you, Lord, for the, every part of our lives, even the parts of our lives which are difficult, so far beyond our understanding that we just have to trust you. And when we come to that place, oh, thank you so much, Father, but when we come to that place where we're able to surrender and totally trust, even in times that are very difficult, sometimes painful, sometimes uh, wrought with sickness or uh, health issues, and we're going through the various phases of this journey, which include uh, what's referred to as sanctification, providing that we're drawing in closer to you and developing a, a more intimate relationship over time. Father, we just we we look back because hindsight is twenty twenty, and all we can do is just give you praise. All we can do is just say, say thank you. Sometimes our journey is wrought with difficulty because maybe we made a bad decision in uh, along that journey. Maybe we thought we were hearing from you, did not look for confirmation, jumped the gun a little bit, had, uh, as James had put it in the book of James, we were seeking after our own lusts and desires and not yours, Father. Made, uh, you know, didn't really receive uh, that which we believed that we were asking for or we were asking amiss. And our journey took a turn down um, a, um, a metaphorical street that was just absolutely overflowing with danger, problems, difficulties that maybe lasted for months, maybe lasted for years. But ultimately, when we look back at those things, even though our journey could have been a little bit easier if we had made the right decision or had sought you for more confirmation, had done a better job of examining our own hearts when we were asking for that which we asked, we could have had an easier journey. But at the same time, when we look back, the lessons that we learn by going the more difficult journey or, or that particular you know, path of challenge um, ultimately led to a, 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 a blessed form of who we are even today, which explains the unspoken or undiscussed mystery of Romans 8.28, which we rarely ever hear. Uh, if ever, uh, where it says that we know that all things work out together for the good to those who love the Lord and are called according to your purpose. But at the same time, we never really consider that even though it says all things work out together for the good, it does not say that all things are going to be easy, or that it does not infer or imply that the journey could have been easier if we had made different decisions or prayed differently in our in seeking you first and foremost as opposed to asking amiss because we're we want to spend it on our own lust, as James said. But yet at the same time, Father, we praise you because we look back on those things, even though we had periods of very bumpy parts of the journey that were just awful, in some cases terrible, and, and very difficult to understand why we had to go through them. But yet, given enough time, we're able to look back and say, look who I've become because of the blessing of the trials and tribulations that I've had to go through, which 
explains the forever mystery associated with our admonishment to give glory and praise to you because of those trials, because we become more drawn into you when we have difficulties, when life is going good, when we don't, you know, you know, some of us when we're in the earlier parts of our walks, when life is going really good, it's much easier to slip up. It's much easier to not draw into you as hungrily as we ought um, because life is good. And it's through those trials and tribulations through, that many of us learn the benefit of drawing in closer to you because we were pulled into you by virtue of those trials and tribulations, seeking you for help supplicating and crying out to you because we were going through difficult times, only to discover at the end of that journey, as bumpy as it was and very difficult, that where we landed through that journey, through those difficulties, through those trials and tribulations, what we learned was that we were happy. We had peace. We had We were going through terrible times, yet at the same time, because we were on our knees, because we had sought you with such powerful, fervent um, desire, because, and even though our desire was a little bit, perhaps a little bit skewed, and not coming directly from our heart because we are in love with you as our Father, it developed over time into residing in the secret place of the Most High, and being driven by love and desire to be in your presence instead of desire to seek you for help in a difficult time. And we see the metamorphosis, the change that has happened through those difficulties, through our walks, not that all periods of our lives and parts of the journeys and legs of the trip, if you will, or roads that we have walked were hard, In many cases, some of them were made very beautiful and through uh, and, 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 and peaceful, and we didn't have a lot of really awful, difficult, challenging things happening to us that required immense amounts of spiritual warfare to fight our way through. But yet, when we look at the composite journey, when we look at the, the whole journey, we see that both the good and the bad, as we're told in the scripture, Ecclesiastes 7.14, for example, and many other scriptures, added up to who we've become now. Not that we've arrived by any stretch, not that we ever will, but it adds to that journey in a positive way that changes us so that we come to a place that we look forward to being on our knees before you. We look forward. We have, we're hungry to give you worship. We're hungry to allow the tears to flow in your presence. We're hungry because we miss you, not because we need your help to get out of a difficult situation. And that changes the whole dynamic of our relationship. And we want to thank you and praise you for the, the metamorphosis, the change the, that has come across or, or, or has affected 
I would submit probably the vast majority of people, if not all, of those who are currently listening to this program and praying and praising you together in one accord. Because that journey, that journey, as wrought as it is with difficulties, trials, tribulations, and even good times, joyful times, periods of peace, periods of shock in some cases where we look back and say, wow, what did I do to deserve this? Father, I can't believe you blessed me this way. And when we look at that whole journey, we start to begin to see how it all added up to a change that is so utterly different, a change in us that is so different than the original us. So not only are we born again, but we actually grow up to some extent, if not an awful noteworthy extent, we grow up in Christ in Messiah, in the presence of Jesus, and acknowledge and, and find peace and contentment and love, and um, it's unexplainable. And it's super that we wouldn't even have been capable of deriving, of feeling that peace, of being hungry for that peace, for desiring to be on our knees in the morning. For for sitting there just before the workday starts, while, you know, while it's still dark outside, realizing that if we don't get on our knees, there are people that have been out there praying for us in our most difficult times that desperately need our prayer, desperately need the power that we have through Christ to bring down heaven's angels, heaven's resources, and heaven's power to help them as they helped us when we were going through our extremely difficult periods. And being truly blessed, knowing how vital it is that we spend that time praying for those. Never forgetting that if it wasn't for the prayers of the those unspoken, oftentimes unknown saints that are out there, praying for us, if it hadn't have been for that, the difficult leg of our journey, indeed the really, really, really bad, very hard to get through parts of our lives, may have been, may have met with a different ending or may have lasted, the difficult trials may have lasted indeed years longer than they did. Father, we just thank you for these the, this, these epiphanies, these revelations of understanding, these mysteries of your scripture that come only to those of us who have been blessed so much by wishing and wanting to explore you beyond the simple written text of the of the Bible to look at the individual verses or the collections of verses across the entire Scripture from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation and find a tapestry of harmony that can only be perceived 
it's when you move outside of the context, when you venture beyond uh, the story that's being told on the paper and we look at the words on the page and we see that harmonious tapestry that exists from the beginning of the books to the very end of the books, telling the same story but only being able to perceive it when we move not only outside of the context of the scripture and the story that's being told, but, but we go beyond that. And we ask the hard questions. We say, why? Why when it says in Romans 8.28 that we know that all things work out together for the good? It doesn't say we know that all good things or all blessed parts of our lives work out together for the good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Father, how amazing it is to realize that just those simple words, all things, include the very darkest parts of our lives. To be able to look back on those incredibly dark parts of our lives, many times praying as we do in Psalm 51, verse, I believe it's 14, asking you to help us forget and pray that you forget, forgive and forget, and we know that you do, such that all of that is no longer remembered. Yet at the same time, recognizing the incredible blessing that the, I can't think of a better, I can't think of the perfect word, but the word would be composite. The complete collection of all of the experiences of our entire life rolled into one, rolled into who we are today, and to be able to look at all those different parts, the, the good and the bad, and the bumpy and the easy, and be able to see that tapestry being woven to make us who we are today, which isn't perfect, but is much, much further, much further along than it would have been otherwise. To bring us to a place where our very existence on this earth is driven by our hunger to love upon you, Father. Our hunger to be intimate with our Lord Jesus and to sing songs to you, Lord Jesus, and to be intimate, to be close, to make it very real. And to recognize that that transformation is truly a heart born transformation, one which comes from deep inside of us where we actually yearn to be in your presence and we are so happy to be there even when we're going through difficult times. Not because we're, we're you know, it, it's a place of rest, a place of respite, a place of peace, a place of separation, a place where we can be disconnected from the challenges and the difficulties and the trials uh, that we may be going through, through uh, in accordance with any phase that, of our growth that we're experiencing for all, because of all things work out together for the good. And for the good, it's ultimately for the good and the blessing of you, Father. For we are not from here, we are not staying here. 
And because we have been born of the water, which is the breaking of the water during the birth of us as humans from our mothers, we are born of the water and we are born of the Spirit, which is that moment in time when that Spirit of God that was breathed into the nostrils of Adam in Genesis 2-7 and happened to each one of us as part of the Abrahamic bloodline, the Gentiles who were not part of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who made up Israel, Jacob Israel, but instead, nevertheless, part of the Abrahamic bloodline which made us those who at conception received the Spirit of the Living God, the capital S Living Soul breathed into us at conception. And through receiving Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we become born again and then receive the Spirit of Jesus, who is the Godhead, who makes us part collectively through the body of Christ, part of the body, the, the Godhead, which creates a huge shift in who we actually are. It's at that point that we slowly begin to realize, if so blessed and if so hungry that we seek you, beyond just simply going to um a gathering in a building and and sitting you know and and sticking with the most rudimentary of understandings but hungrily seeking the whys why this why that looking at each one of the verses that we read or the collections or the paragraphs and asking why why didn't it say this why and if it did say this and that what does that include? Not taking it at its simple face value, but wondering how deep the seas of understanding go. To separate us in such a manner that when we keep our mind stayed on things above and not on the things of this earth, and we combine that scripture with being citizens, our citizenship being in heaven, Combining that with 1 Peter 2.9, that we are a royal priesthood. Understanding that all of, the, all of these things are literal. That when Matthew 18.18 18 says that that which is bound on earth is bound in heaven, that which is loosed on earth is loosed in heaven. When Hebrews 12 verse... Um, hopefully I get this right. Praise you, Jesus. Uh, 1222 says that we have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, to an innumerable company of angels, to a heavenly Jerusalem. That that is a literal statement. It's not a metaphor. That we are actually, truly, verily, we are. Not from here. We never were. And by the blessing of the transformation of the Spirit to become part of the Godhead and a royal priesthood, we come to the revelation that we really, truly never were from here. 
and that the journey in the flesh has a much deeper, deeper meaning than we could have ever possibly imagined without an anointing from the Holy Spirit and a hunger and thirst to comprehend the deeper meanings of what you have told us straight up, but oftentimes we are unable to receive it. We beseech you, Father, with the, from the bottom of our heart that our learning will never stop. We hungrily ask you to continue that process forward for us as we journey even closer in intimacy to the, your presence. We pray that you will use us in whatever way that you desire. We surrender ourselves completely and utterly into your hands, knowing that each hill that we have to climb, every broken leg that we have to mend, every catastrophic financial event that we have to endure, every major change to our life dynamics that we go through will have some noteworthy but blessed component associated with our growth in you on earth. And recognizing what a blessing it is, understanding because we have gone beyond the churchianity belief systems that are really kind of a stopping point in the depth of understanding that's available to us. We recognize that when we've come to the place that you have brought us today, even though we're not all in the same exact place in our journey, but all are heading in the same direction, we eventually come to this wonderful amazing revelation that our journey here on earth is all about teaching us. It's an accelerated training course for some of us. An accelerated training course that we might be blessed enough to not only be called but to be chosen to accept the calling and because of that acceptance and our desire and our hunger to be part of you and to serve you, to want to do the things that you want us to do, to be happy and anointed, to feel great about the idea that we're walking in your blessing. Uh, prob my new, you know, Focus scripture right now, as you know, Father, is Proverbs fifteen seven. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Imagine what that scripture actually means. We assume at the reading of those words that it simply means what it says. Because we don't ask why. We don't ask what more is there what what did I miss? Is there more? And there is. Proverbs 15, verse 7. When a man's, man or woman's ways please the Lord, 
because as it says in Galatians, there is neither man nor woman, nor Jew nor Gentile, that we are all one through the body of Christ. So when Proverbs 15.7 says, When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. But it doesn't limit it to only that. How much more is there for those of us who desire to walk and desire to dedicate our lives, desire to be that which pleases you, Father, because it's a part of your will, even though it will invariably be imperfect. But our heart is in the right place. To recognize that that blessing, by virtue of us pleasing you, includes at least you making our enemies to be at peace with us, but it includes so much more. And to be able to embrace those blessings, to embrace those earthly rewards that are also spiritual and heavenly rewards, because our existence here is a heavenly existence, burdened, albeit, by the flesh and the containment area that we're stuck in right now with a job, with a calling, which is relevant to all of those who have been born of the water and the Spirit through Jesus, but, but most of which will not understand or realize because they don't grow past the pews and the collection plate. They don't seek you because they're hungry for you. Maybe they do. But maybe only within a sandbox of understanding that they don't venture past for whatever reason, usually because of unfortunate teachings and belief systems that have existed for hundreds of years all the way back to the what they call the founding church fathers. So many are afraid to deviate from the most simplistic understanding of the Scripture because somehow it has gotten into their head that there's something wrong with wanting more. All the while not realizing that the more is right there in our hands. Inside those 31,102 verses, if we would only ask the question, why and what else? Because I want more. And to be blessed, to maybe be qualified, chosen, not just called, hungry. Who would you call? Who would we call? Who would any of us, if we were to have a group of people standing in front of us and have a mission to give that group of people, which ones would be chosen? Would it be the ones that are saying, me, pick me? 
or would it be the everybody? And of course, the answer would be those who truly desire. Not because there's something in it for them, but because they are blessed by you, our Father. We are blessed by having you be part of our lives. We are blessed by every trial, tribulation, every problem, every health issue, every, um, I mean, the list is endless. It's just endless. And we praise you for all, all of it, all of it, the entire journey. And we thank you for even the times when we made a mistake and turned the wrong way on the road. Maybe not knowing why, maybe having all all kinds of good intentions and praising your holy name to know that even though we went the wrong direction, that you loved us so much that through the spirit of the Godhead, through happenstance, we call it happenstance to imply that it was somehow unplanned, but to know that our Father planned it. Because we know the thoughts that you think about us, not thoughts of evil, but thoughts of good to bring us to an expected planned end. As is captured in Psalm 139, verse 16 in Ephesians 2.10, may we walk in the works that you have put into our books before we came to earth. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, and praise you for being you. Praise you for loving us that much. Praise you for every challenge that we have gone through. Praise you for maybe the few, what seems to be the very few times that we get really big blessings. Sometimes it feels like it's not that often because this is a very dark place today. But our lives are full of beauty. Our lives are full of flowers. Our lives are full of incredible, I mean, even the snow. Yes, granted, some some folks like certain seasons better than others, but at the end of the day, every one of the seasons are absolutely gushing with your beauty, with your creativity, with things that words cannot describe that are captured in Romans chapter 1, that gives no one an excuse not to realize how awesome you are just by virtue of looking around them. We thank you for being you. We praise you for our journey. We thank you for helping us as we continue on this journey. And we pray in Jesus' name that you will bring each and every one of our hearts to a place where we truly surrender. We are very hungry and very satisfied by maybe being those who are referred to in the verse of Proverbs fifteen seven that our ways would please you. Let our ways please you, not because we're hungry for something or want something or hope for something in return, but because we want to please you. And when we are in that place, we are happy because we love you. We pray that that 
part of our walk will be forever anointed and amplified and increased. That we will come to a place where we truly have perfect peace because our minds are stayed on you. Because we trust you. To have perfect peace. Perfect love cast out all fear. Perfect peace and trust also brings us to that wonderful place of 2 Timothy 1.7 where it says that we were not given a spirit of fear but a spirit of power, love, and of a sound mind. We praise you. We praise you for this journey. We thank you. And all we ask, Father, is please, please, continue to do a wonderful, awesome work in each of us. We pray that you will choose us. Not just call, but choose. We know we've been called. We wouldn't be here now if we weren't. We want to be chosen. We want to be Isaiah 6, 8. We want to hear the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And we want to be those who raise our hands, who do it out of love. Love for you and love that overflows from within us through Jesus with absolutely no ulterior motives whatsoever. We praise you for that gift, particularly in days that are especially as dark as these are. Without any regard, without worrying or concerning ourselves with how much darker they may become and how much longer we may have to endure, as long as we can reside in your presence and truly trust you to open only the doors in our lives that you wish for us to walk through to ensure that those doors that you don't want us to walk through are securely locked, to anoint and bless us with the presence of angels and divine protection to ensure that we choose the right, the right path on the first try so that our journey is our paths, as it says in Proverbs 3, 5, are made straight. We pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, and thank you forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, <clears throat> tonight is January the 13th of 2023, and I discovered through some technological schools of hard knocks, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, that um, my little uh, Hebrew calendar application that I've been using all these years, on it's gone forever. I don't know where it went, but it's definitely not, it's nowhere to be found, and so therefore I will just, I don't know. I'll keep looking for something that's a suitable substitute, but until then, hallelujah, Let's see what the Hebrew, oh, we'll just type in Hebrew date today. Let's see what we get. 
probably um, here it says January 13th of 2023 is the 20th of Tevet 5783. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. The time now is 7.40 p.m. on the east coast of the United States of Babylon the Great. How easy that is to see and how sad it is that so many of our brothers and sisters fail to see it. How critical. And tonight, together, we light the Sabbath candles. And if it's during the day when you're listening, such as those in Australia right now, or another day that you're listening, we do this as one body, live or Memorex. <laughs> Praise God. We light the th- I like to light three candles, one for the Father. Thank you, Jesus. One for the Son. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. And one for the Holy Spirit. They, so many have, I forget who all used to say the, that the Holy Spirit would be the oft, oft forgotten God. Not in my life, I can assure you. <laughs> Praise God. And also, if you do get a chance to listen to the testimony of Angelica Zambrano on YouTube, the best one is the one that um, where she does all the talking in in Spanish, Honduran, and they just put the uh, English subtitle text underneath it. That's that's the most anointed, blessed one. It it. It will make a bigger, bigger impact upon you than the other versions of it that are out there. But if you do get to to listen to that, maybe even more than once would be my recommendation because you will learn so much. When she came back from heaven, amazing story. The things she saw were incredible. For example, did you know that as we are walking in harmony with God's will, as we are walking in harmony with God's will, seeking the Lord, even, you know, and again, it's inclusive of the entire journey of anyone's life. As we know, we have times of forward progression and forward sanctification. We have times of backsliding. We have times of willful sin combined with, you know, there's just a whole mixture of different dynamics associated with our walk from the point that we... Now, some people accepted Jesus late in life, later in life, and then... um, and, they, and maybe they didn't have some of the periods of backsliding that others of us who received Jesus at an early time in our lives as children did. But what Angelica Zambrano was shown, oh my goodness, and this is just like like one one-hundredth of the amazing things that she was shown, but one of them was she saw the angels would stop working on the mansions. And she asked why. Because so many of the mansions were so beautiful and being built out in the most amazing ways with terraces and gold and and brooks and gemstones going through the center of the mansions and incredible beauty. And then other mansions, the angels had just stopped working. They weren't being built out anymore. When she asked why, it was because 
that saint, that person's man, you know, that person was backslidden away from God at the time. They were not walking in the will of the Father. They were not seeking the Father out of love. They were not doing the will of the Father. And at that point, the angel stopped building, waiting for that person to come back around, hoping that that person would come back around. What an amazing thing, that she would come back from heaven and have such a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit when she was in heaven, that she met the Holy Spirit as an individual. Not as some spiritual, you know, uh, uh, intangible presence, but as a literal being. So much so that when she came back from heaven, even today she pulls out a chair at the table for the Holy Spirit to sit down with her. That's how real his presence was with her. What an amazing way to be able to understand through her experiences these realities that are beyond our earthly vision that enhance the beauty of our walk and the opportunity that has been laid before us even now. And we pray forevermore. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. The Hebrew, the Hebrew Kaddish. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Borei Peri Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher Kitshanu B'mitzvotav Veratzavanu Vishabat Kodsho Veavau Vratzon Inchilanu Zikaron Lemase Vereshit Kihu Yom Techila Lemikra Ekodesh Zechelitziat Mitzrayim Kivanu vacharta, veotanu kidashta, mikol hamim. Veshabat kodshecha, beava uvratzon, himchaltanu. Baruch Adonai Mekadesh HaShabbat. Arise, my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place. For now is the time to arise and come away with me. For you are my dove. 
hidden in the split-open rock. It was I who took you and hid you up high in the secret stairway of the sky. Let me see your radiant face and hear your sweet voice. How beautiful your eyes are in worship and lovely your voices in prayer. You must catch those troubling foxes, those sly little foxes that hinder our relationship. For they raid our budding vineyard of love in an attempt to ruin what I've planted within you. Will you catch them and remove them for me? We will do it together.
testimony time because God loves this and I want to love upon our father. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm, as you've probably figured out because I failed to mute the mic early enough in the beginning of the show, I'm still dealing with a little bit of a cough <clears throat> from the endless flu cough uh, thing that's going around has nothing to do with COVID. I won't give the devil a single moment of recognition for anything. Um, just just another end times version of what we've already what we've been dealing with for thousands of years. Praise God! But it definitely has some hangers oners uh, symptoms that uh, that don't you know that don't go away right away. Uh, and one of those is uh, you know uh, inter, an intermittent cough, <coughs> just like that that um, um, comes and goes, comes and goes. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And I know eventually it'll totally go because I've seen progress, but that, that's beside the point. I want to give glory to God, and I also am in the spirit of 1 Samuel twelve twenty three, And I pray for you. I assure you that I do. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, I was sitting in my prayer chair at about 4.15 a.m. in the morning, the other day, when I received an email. Now, I'm not saying that I received email at that specific moment in time. I don't remember all that. But what I do remember is receiving the email, recognizing the name of the person who sent it, and reading the email. And the person told me a little bit about themselves, where they were located. And they mentioned that they had have all along been praying for me for me and i get so very little of that a lot of people i think believe that i'm deluged with emails i'm buried underneath them i'm buried underneath ministry work um uh you know i i've got no room to breathe and they don't want to bother me or they're just shy or whatever the case is, but I don't get a lot of interaction. I do, I get in. I have some interaction with some of the believers and some of the guests on a regular basis, but it's nothing like people think it is. Um, nothing at all. It's it's uh, you know, maybe a handful of emails a day, if that. Okay, and I'm sitting there in the dark. In the presence of the Holy Spirit, there's no doubt about it, and it's such a precious time of the day for me. I would not, you know, granted, there are times when the shows run very late, as with, you know, Stephen Ben Noon, uh, you know, where I wake up the next morning, and because of my age, I am doggone tired. <laughs> I mean, I am so tired. And, um, you know, kind of like your eyes are burning and you have to go get Visine and stuff just because your eyes are just inherently burning because you're tired. But anyway, I open up this email 
And this and this person whose name I recognize, who I've had no conversation, I've never had a conversation with this person before, not at all. And for the first time, this person kind of like introduced themselves to me, told me a little bit about, you know, their age, where they live, and that they were praying for me all this time. And even asked about somebody else who helps with the program, if they could pray for them. And there I sat in my chair in the wee hours of the morning in the dark when you can't even so much as hear a bird tweet. And the tears started to roll down my my cheeks. Because I was touched by the reality of what happens behind my perception. Most of the time, the only perception that I have in doing the radio shows, whether it's this program, Wednesdays or Sundays, it, it's irrelevant, but any of the radio shows, perception that I have is myself sitting in a chair <laughs> talking into a microphone in a dark room. That's it. And to have, be touched by someone directly and to have them give testimony to me, not completely unselfishly, just saying, hey, how's it going? Um, I've been praying for you. Um, I heard you mention so-and-so and wanted to ask if I could pray for her. And I'm sitting there blown away because I don't have that direct human fellowship, even if it is in an email. It's an amazing thing. It's a beautiful thing. Well, I just wanted to mention that. And I also wanted to mention, again, 1 Samuel twelve twenty three, which was given to me, by the way. I didn't find this. The Lord didn't show this to me, by the way. This was actually given to me by a prayer partner of mine. And I call her a prayer partner of mine because for many years, her, her and I both have been now in a completely different way. Her problems are so utterly different than mine. My problems, so utterly different than hers. And she's, you know, has a husband and she's had some, gone through some really hard times. And, and those hard times have had historically some lasting effects. And those lasting effects, because of how severe the problems were that she was going through, um, have made her journey. Not, so, so not only were we praying for one another every day. For years, because of the problems that she was going through with her family. And likewise, she was praying for me because of the problems that I was going through that were so diverse I could write a book. <laughs> I, uh, I'm, I'm not exaggerating at all. I mean, I really could. Chapters of problems, <laughs> right, of many different kinds which have really changed me an awful lot. So praise God for all of them. It's just an amazing thing that I'm, oh my gosh, if I could just tell you the whole thing. I really need to do like another three-hour dedicated show where I just give my testimony. Just all, not even live, you know, just, just me, the microphone, and my whole testimony. Because you know what? The only testimony information that is out there today is devoid of everything that happened since like 2017, 
which is a lot. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But anyway, um, I hold up this verse because I love this verse. This verse was actually given to me by Sister Nancy, who has been helping, uh, working with me as a prayer partner. Uh, Other people have as well, and I praise God for that. And, um, you know, Terry Hill uh, jumps in and um, really leans in fervently uh, to pray for me um, when I'm going through special times especially difficult or exceedingly important times where I really need, you know, when I start to send out fleeces. Well, anyway, I don't want to get into this huge, long 15, 20-minute testimony about all this stuff because it really it's ne- it's the never-ending story. It really is. But all that being said, I wanted to give God glory. I, I'm just going to give him glory because I, I know our Father. And I believe one of the most important scriptures in the New Testament, which is where we should be spending the vast majority of our time, is John fourteen twelve thirteen and 14, where essentially Jesus says, you know, um, if you ask for anything in my name, that I will give to you, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, it shall be given you. All right? But the key, and this is missed by the vast majority, it certainly is missed by the vast majority of churchianity. The key to understanding is first that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So it's all about the will of the Father, and, and which is ultimately the will of the kingdom, which is ultimately the greater good of all things of the kingdom for all of eternity. Amen. No wonder. So then you've got that, but what, you, what, what else do you have from that scripture is that the natural fleshy assumption would be that John 14, 12, 13, and 14 is only applicable to John 14, 13, and 14, which would be a wrongful assumption. That would be the, the failure, the satanic, uh, unfortunate misunderstanding of the proper way to decipher and explore and meditate and learn and grow in the scripture, which is to divorce yourself from the context. Don't make that mistake and understand that when Jesus said that the Father may be glorified in the Son, that that was applicable to everything that we pray for, think or do or desire in our walk, not only now, but certainly throughout all of eternity. Imagine when you apply that one little clause. That's what, you know, clause basically means a thought or a part of a sentence that that forms a thought. When you take that one little clause, that the Father may be glorified in the Son, look at all the things that it connects to scripturally. Book of James, James, the brother of Jesus, you know, the flesh brother of Jesus said, said, you know, you, you ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss to spend it on your own interests or lusts, it says. But that's just the interpretation. It really is your own personal interests. See, that's where I don't really care for the choice um, of the word lust in that particular scripture, in that trans, in that particular translation of the scripture, because 
lust in our our brains process the word lust here in the 21st century of evil and certainly even the 19th i mean really and even going back as far as when, you know the 70s and 60s probably but we 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 tend to to take the word lust and we say oh okay that is you know, it, it, it tends to have a connotation that is associated with, um, you know, procreation. Um, and that is incorrect. That is an absolutely falsified misunderstanding of what the intent of that scripture was meant to be. That scripture really, the better translation would have been, you ask and you do not receive because you're asking for the wrong reasons. You're asking for reasons that do not glorify the Father, that the Father would be glorified in the Son. So there you have one of probably 30, 40, 50 examples of how that one tiny little clause in John 14, 12, 13, and 14 is spiritually applicable to dozens and dozens of other scriptures. And when you grasp that concept and you map it across the reading of the scripture multiple times as you're going through the New Testament and even the Old Testament, really, because it's just the predecessor of the New, with the exception of the fact that the New is a completely brand new covenant with a whole new set of rules with a higher bar raised. That is an amazing thing. And and it's it, it's even reflected. Here's another example of where it's reflected. And I bring this up all the time, but I'm going to jump ahead in my little show notes that I like to use for these for you know for all programs because it God speaks to me through the show notes, and it also reminds me of things that I feel led to talk about or pray, whatever. It, 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 it's, it goes on and on and on. Thank you, Jesus. But anyway, look, <clears throat> as we go through, as we have historically gone through during the prayer vigil, when we get to the, the end of the program, if you know, given enough time, uh, and we start praying for the people, here I go with the cough again, hold on. And we start praying for the people of um, the lands. You know, so I sought for a man amongst them who would make a wall and stand in the gap. It's praying in the gap, praying in the gap on behalf of the land that I would not destroy it, but I found no one. See, that now, now, does that mean that God was praying for the dirt? He wanted us to stand in the gap before him and pray for the land, for the dirt? I pray for the land. I pray that the grass will grow in Jesus' name. No, it's for the people that live in the land, which is what we do, hopefully. Now, whether you do it, you know, in in, in little bitty chunks or big gigantic chunks, like I like to do it, uh, you know, whatever, it, it's just not relevant. You're praying for the people that are that live in the land. Praise God. But look, so check it out. So when we go through, let's get back to that that the Father may be glorified in the Son concept. Because it's everywhere. It's all over the Bible. That's how you know that contextual exegesis, by the way, the word exegesis basically means how do you, you know, decipher the scripture? How do you 
tear it apart? How do you meditate upon it? How do you learn more? How do you see the hidden meaning? How do you see the implied meaning? All that kind of stuff. That's what exegesis means. Exegesis means how do you disassemble and reassemble it so you come to a greater understanding of the truth that is, a, that is part of the Word, which is Jesus. Well, guess what? This is one of the weakest areas in churchianity. This is one of the weakest areas by the the well-known, you know, really well-known. You're not going to get any of this from the well-known teachers that are out there. You will get none of this. Not a peep. You won't get any of it. And I'm not holding holding myself up as anybody special. Believe you me. All I, if if I can hold myself up as anything, it's a definitely a prisoner of Christ for sure. Because I meet all the criteria on the earth. Not only that, but I'm a beaten, bruised. You know, I'm not just. I wasn't just thrown into the supermax. Every so many months or so, some big mean guy came into that supermax cell that I was in in solitary confinement and kicked my butt up and down Main Street and back, okay? So I've got the bruises to show for it. Thank you, Jesus. But again, look, look at, at the synergy. It goes everywhere, but you've got to know it. It's already got to be embedded in your heart or you won't see it. Like I've said before in, in other shows, I've brought this point up. Mark 9.25, it's just simply talking about when Jesus rebuked, you know, when you're learning about spiritual warfare, when you're learning about how Jesus dealt with the devils. You, a lot of that stuff is in Mark. Mark is absolutely overflowing with, you know, if you want to learn about divine healing and spiritual warfare, that's a wonderful starting place. Now, it goes way beyond, you know, greater things than these will, will we do because Jesus has gone unto the Father. So we are expected to exceed the Bible. Yet the church will teach you the opposite and say that, you know, they, they're not even adhering. They're not even treating the Bible as a life roadmap. They're not even following that which they're being commanded because they're stuck. They're, they're limited to whatever message that preacher jumped around and happy-go-lucky, smiley-wily before he, whatever. Um, but Mark 9.25, look at this. Here, here you go. Once again, another synergistic spiritual alignment with the scripture. John fourteen twelve thirteen 13 and 14. Um, that which you ask for, you shall receive when you ask in my name, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now imagine this scripture right here. Mark nine twenty five. When Jesus saw the people come running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Now, what you see there, because I understand and I'm sharing with you the principle, the, under, the, the spiritual exegesis, the spiritual understanding of how to harmoniously weave the tapestry of all of the Scripture together eternally beyond the realm of this earth, which is its intent. When you look at this, you see why would it even bother to say when Jesus saw that the people came running together. Why does that matter in the slightest? Who cares? Why doesn't it just say, 
Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit. What, what's the relevance of Jesus waiting until a bunch of people come, came running together? But nobody asks that question. And what it does is it explains the mysteries that we all need to be able to understand and have them. It's more than just an understanding. Here's the thing. When, when these mysteries, when these foundational understandings are in, I don't even know how to express it, but when they become a part of who you are, when they are woven into the tapestry of the spirit of the Godhead that is part of who you are, hopefully the majority of who you are, and an ever-increasing majority of who you are, when that is when that mystery is baked into you and it becomes you it becomes you through Jesus who is inside of you because you is no longer you who lives but Christ who lives in you when that reality and that scripture becomes part of who you are then when you look at every one of the scriptures that you are reading from that point forward it builds upon it and you realize the whole reason Jesus waited for the people to come running together is because he wanted to Glorify his Father, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. This unravels the tapestry associated with the mystery of our prayers. Why are you praying for what it is you're praying for? If you're praying that you would be healed, that's great, and you have every reason to, and you should. You ought. As a matter of fact, I'll just give you a simple example. This is how seriously I take this. Um, I like bubble baths sometimes, you know. So I'll just be perfectly fine. I think everybody likes to take a bubble bath once in a while. And I and I have learned, you know, through trial and error, that Mr. Bubble is actually a really good bubble bath. I know it's for little kids, but I like bubbles, okay, when I, when I want to take a bubble bath, all right? And so anyway, um, I, you know, um, uh, took the Mr. Bubble and I poured it in the front of the tub, and I have one of those tubs where, you know, a lot of people do, where it's got that little metal. Hopefully this doesn't make it cringe. <laughs> it makes me cringe thinking about it. But, you know, it has that little, I don't know, a little handle thingy. It's like mushroom shaped and it comes up off the top of the cap that seals the tub so that the water stays inside the tub, right? And you got to spin it a little bit so that it falls down through gravity and it seals it so that the tub will fill up with water. Well, anyway, I sealed it with that little you know, mushroom-shaped handle. I sealed it like I always do, never really thinking about anything. I was just getting a bath, you know, a bubble bath. You know, I don't do it all the time, but, you know, once in a blue minute, I do. And uh, the other day, I decided that I did, I, I wanted to, and, and, and I lit a candle, you know, kind of like, you know, I know it's kind of girly, but that's okay. That's, you know, that's just the way I am sometimes. But anyway, um, so anyway, so I, I, flipped down the little thing so that it sealed. The water was, you know, real hot and everything, and, you know, and it was filling up the tub, and I poured some Mr. Bubble, as, you know, goofy as this may sound, uh, in the front of the tub. And then I got in it, and I started to, I wanted to get the bubbles to be a lot of bubbles. I wanted a lot of bubbles. If you don't get the bubbles stirred up, stir up the Mr. Bubble, then you don't get as many bubbles. 
I wanted a lot of bubbles. So I'm so I'm taking my foot. <laughs> I'm taking my foot and I'm like whooshing it in the water, whooshing it real hard in the water to mix up the bubbles and get as many bubbles as I can possibly get because I want a lot of bubbles. I know it sounds like a two-year-old, right? Well, what, what can I say? But anyway, so I'm 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 taking my right foot and I'm just whooshing it, whooshing it, whooshing it in the water to get as many bubbles as I possibly can, whooshing it back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and the bubbles are getting more bubbly, and the and the tub is starting to fill up, and everything is all great until my big toe on my right foot smashes in to that little mushroom-shaped handle on the top of the um, drain. I mean, full force, high speed, direct head on, smash right into that little handle. And I went, it's like 5.20 a.m. And I'm like going, like that, because it hurts so bad. And I was saying, thinking to myself, Father, please, let me not let it. I pray in Jesus' name I didn't break it. Please, I pray that I didn't break it. I didn't fracture my toe. Please, in the name of Jesus. Because, I, I mean, it was definitely. So then I reached down, and, um, you know, there's bubbles there, so I can't see the damage. And um, I just kind of squeezed my toe to see if it was cracked. And I praised Jesus. I could tell it wasn't cracked because I could squeeze down on the center part of the toe and it, it, I didn't go, ah, and cry out in pain. So I was like, hallelujah, my toe is not broken. It sure felt like it was, but it wasn't. And I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. And anyway, so I finished my bath and I got out and did, you know, finished everything else and took my vitamins and yada, yada, yada. And I went back over to my prayer chair. I, I should say I limped back over to my prayer chair. Now it wasn't until later when I got closer to get you know start you know put 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 you know p- putting on my my work clothes and everything uh that I actually took a look at my foot and it wasn't pretty <laughs> okay as a matter of fact I somehow I in the process of all this happening part of the injury was um a very sizable tear in the toenail. Now, I don't know about you, but I I never had it happen to me, but I have had people tell me that an ingrown toenail is horrible to go through. Sometimes it requires surgery. And of course, if I got to fly on an airplane, don't even get me going. So I'm like thinking to myself, all right, what, what ought I to do? Now, in the flesh, I thought to myself, I need to pretend like this didn't even happen. Because if I start sitting there with a pair of nail clippers and dorking around with a broken nail uh, and a big old bloody, you know, it wasn't like bleeding outward, but there was internal bleeding, of course, naturally. I'm like, I'm trying not to, you know, gross you out. I just want you to understand the magnitude of the injury. And I thought to myself, you know what? I don't want to dork with it. No dorking. Because if I dork with it, that's going to be bad because I'm going to malform the nail. I'm going to do something that I shouldn't have done, and it's going to go in. It's going to grow funky, and it's going to go into the flesh, and next thing you know, I'm going to be in surgery, and I'm not going to be able to walk. And I've got two stories. I've got to get up and down the stairs or else I'm going to starve, which actually I could use a little bit of starvation, I think, because uh, I'm still trying to get rid of the pandemic 30. But anyway – 
So I decided in the flesh, don't dork with it. Leave it alone. So much so that I put on some a pair of my soft as a sacrifice because I figured that they, you know it probably damaged the socks because they're white. But I have these really super soft socks that somebody hooked me up with the brand. It's they're Dr. Scholl socks, and let me tell you something: if you want the softest socks you've ever had in your life, those things are amazing, and they're not inexpensive. <clears throat> you know, if you're used to buying bulk socks, you know, bulk athletic white socks, if you buy them in you know packs of ten, packs of twenty, <clears throat> then these will seem ex- incredibly expensive, but they're really not that bad. And I put and they, but they're so soft. And so I put one of those on very carefully and I decided I am going to leave, I'm going to limp. I'm going to leave it alone. I'm not going to touch it. The hardest thing right now, because the injury is still there to some degree is praying because I got to get down on my knees, right? Amen. And then how do you get this big pandemic 30 flabby 61 year old body come March? Um, back up off of the floor because I'm, you know, I've got one of those, you know, uh, I don't know what you call them, but they're like foam. It's a special foam type of a pillow. Uh, and I, I it's wonderful because, you know, you don't want to hurt your knees and you darn sure don't want to be on the bare carpet for like 45 minutes. Okay. When, you know, when you're like, my age. Okay. It's, it, it's, it's, it hurts. It's, it's damaging to your body. All right. So I get down on, I have my pillows and I put another pillow on top of my, on the seat of the prayer chair, which is essentially a strato lounger recliner that I got cheap over at Best Buy or whatever. And then, um, uh, and, and I have a handkerchief and everything, of course, cause I'm always, you know, but I realized getting back up from prayer was no small task, <laughs> okay? Because I couldn't hurt the injury. So I had to do twister-like calisthenic stuff in order to be able to get back up. You know, getting back up from prayer was no small task. And it was very challenging. I had to contort my body into shapes that I didn't realize it was able to get into. But anyway, all that being said... This is how seriously I take every little aspect of my life biblically. When I got out of the tub immediately after the injury, with it just throbbing in pain, I stopped. Instead of flipping on the lights like most people would do, grabbing bandages, starting to do first aid to it, and blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff, I didn't. Not a bit. I stopped immediately where I was. I put my foot up on the side of the uh, tub, and I laid my hand on top of it. And I said, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I command you, foot, toe, be healed. Done deal. Am I worried that I'm going to get something ingrown? Absolutely not. Do I even feel any pain or anything right now? This is only a couple of days ago. No, I don't. Now, am I going to continue to baby it? Dagnabbit right I am. But the point is that this should be, these behaviors should be a part of every single aspect of our life. We live the Scripture of God. And if we don't, we're missing 
It's funny, my toe's starting to hurt now because I called attention to it. It's like saying, hey, man, uh, thank, thank you very much for uh, remembering me. I'm down here. Hi there. Hi there. How are you? <laughs> That's funny. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. When Jesus saw the people come running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit. Look, think about this. Would some people say to themselves, golly, if I pray for myself, I must be praying amiss because I'm praying for my own interests, my own lusts. No. You have to be able to look at the big picture to understand the scripture and the meaning. The big picture is, who are you? That's what's important. The big picture is, who are you? You. When you understand who you are, which is critical, biblically, in Jesus Christ, the power, the, the unbelievable, excuse me, unbelievable world-changing power, eternity-changing, salvation-changing um, power that you as a single individual have been given through the name of Jesus as a royal priesthood. When you get that, and it's baked into you, it's a part of who you are, then you are you automatically you don't even have to think about it. You don't even have to it, it's it's second nature. It's it's not it's not it's first nature, really. Think about this. Time you pray for yourself. Oh, oh! If I had a dime for every time somebody tells me I'll never pray for myself, I'm so I'm just too busy praying for everybody else. And I'm thinking to myself, and they're and you know they're they're proud of the fact that they pray for they. I don't know if I want to use the word. I don't want to imply that it's a, a sinful to think that way, but it's definitely misled. Because Jesus, rightfully so, said, physician, heal thyself. And that means that we need to get constantly our sanctification, our growth in Christ, our spiritual growth has to be continuous, ever more impactful, ever stronger, ever more. I mean, it's the most vital part. It's so vital, because if you don't understand who you are in Jesus Christ, and you do not, because when you understand it, you become it. When you become it, it becomes real. It is real. It's not just a belief system. It is the truth. You become Jesus, the truth. And and that makes you unbelievably important. In the grand scheme of all the universes, in the grand scheme of the 8 billion people, many of which, if not the vast majority of which, are unsaved, that are depending on you to pray for them, that's why you're important. You're unbelievably important. And therein lies the key Praying for yourself should be the very first thing you do every day, starting with repentance, which, by the way, is all day long. Repentance and confession of sins is continuous because we're continuously dorking up because that's what we are, a bunch of dorkosauruses. But that's because we're trapped in the flesh. Always self-examining 
literally swirling amidst the spirit of the living God as we go through our hopefully open heaven, fire of God-filled walks, even through the day as things get stressful and, and the ebb and tide of the earthly part of our existence sometimes gets the best of us. Our walk needs to be continuously swirling in the spirit under open heavens with the fire of God all around us. That's the ideal situation. And that swirling in the spirit will always call to your attention any thought that enters your heart, even for a millisecond. For example, I got a phone call from somebody who was an especially attractive individual. I, you know, I mean that in in a you know, in in a normal heterosexual way. But I had, you know, I would never even think in a bazillion quadrillion years, anything other than this person is very pretty. That's it. That's the extent of it. But I will tell you, because I swirl amidst the Godhead and the presence of the Spirit continuously throughout the day, even though my eyes saw how incredibly pretty this particular individual was that was calling me, I my spirit latched on to the fact that my eyes in the flesh saw that person as being incredibly beautiful and nixed it instantly, cut it off. But John, John, you're being hard on yourself, people will tell me. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm not. All of us need to walk like that. Praise God. Which brings me back to the the te- testimony, and then we'll continue forward with the prayer vigil. Praise God, how wonderful. Because um, this is a praise report, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So when you pray for yourself, when you pray for yourself, when you pr- whatever it is. Now, if you're praying for a new car, let's hope that the reason why you're praying for a new car is so that it will enable you to do more wonderful works for our Father and save souls. Because that would glorify the Father. The likelihood that God might answer that prayer, not with a brand new sporty Camry, but with some kind of a vehicle, is very high. Because the net end result would be that you would be enabled to serve God. So if there is something about your life, whatever it is, whatever it is, that isn't ideal to enable you to serve God at your best possible capacity, then that qualifies that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If, the, if, what will, if you pray in such a fashion, you're saying, Father, please, in the name of Jesus, do this for me. If the reason you're praying that, which, by the way, ought to be automatic, you shouldn't have to think twice about it, it should be absolutely just baked into you, because your heart is always about our Father, because you love him with all your heart, your soul, your mind, everything, everything. It's an obsession. And when you have that obsession, you're always looking for 
what is standing in my way to do more for God? What is what could happen? What your that constant swirly whirly existence in the spirit of the Godhead, which is who you are as a royal priest, died died in the flesh and and living a life of Jesus and being Jesus on the earth. That whole swirly whirly spiritual walk should constantly be calling your attention to anything that could step in the way of your ability to serve God because he is paramount in importance to you. That is all you care about. That doesn't mean that it's, there's anything, you know, but when it, I'm talking about matters of prayer, <clears throat> okay, primarily. And so when you understand this and you become it, and you're, you abide in that swirly, whirly Godhead of constant, spiritual, Jesus-filled consciousness. Where you are always, it's a, it, you don't have to sit there and go, well, let's see, Galatians 5.19 says, the fruits of the Spirit, blah, 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 you know, you don't have to do that. You don't have to inventory anything. It's just you know instantly that there's something that's hindering, that there's something that could get in your way. You're looking at the big picture and you want to make sure that your path is clear so that you can continue to serve God as best as you can. And if that's a health issue, then by golly, come against that health issue. Get people to pray for you. Believe in that in that healing because your prayers are crucial. They are very important to God. They are very important to the entire kingdom particularly when you have grown up past churchianity and you understand who you are and the power that you wield. All right. Now, that was one really long-winded, <laughs> long-winded way to come about what I'm going to share because I want to glorify God. Because I know, just like when I told people who had no choice but to take the shot, the evil stuff, the bioweapons that have been used against mankind. There were some that had emailed me because they were forced. You know, Now, you could say coerced. You could use different words. And, I, and, I, and the thing about it is, you know, Luke 10, 19, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall be on, by any means hurt you. John 16, uh, John, uh, um, uh, um, Mark 16, 16, 17, and 18, right there, once again. And these signs will follow those who believe. My in my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they ingest anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. Oh, my goodness, but it spiritually wraps itself right around the story of Paul on Malta, who is bitten by a viper. What do the viper's uh, um, uh, fangs look like? Needles. <laughs> did, did the viper have any effect on Paul? If that viper had bitten one of the natives that were sitting around the fire with Paul at that time, would that native have dropped dead? And the answer is yes. But bit, that viper bit, bit Paul. And because Paul was doing the works of the Father and walking in, as part of the Godhead, it had absolutely no effect. The problem that we have is we forget who we are. We forget the promises that we are walking in. We forget the protection that we have when we are walking in God's will. And then we go, oh, no, I'm afraid. 
I wasn't afraid. I'm not afraid. I told people not to be afraid. Now, let me tell you something. Most Christians, even the good ones, they don't get it. Oh, my gosh. You took that evil shot. You're going to die and go to heck. No. You're no different than Paul in the island of Malta. Why do you think that you are? Why would anybody think that they are? How incredibly anti-Christ is that understanding of the Scripture? And how many people believe like that? How sad is that? You've, I, anytime, when, anytime I told you know, anybody that was in such a situation, and this was especially pervasive in places like New Zealand, which are still doing it, Canada, which is still doing it, uh, uh, especially Australia, and, um, I, you know, I, I was very vocal about this. I said, listen, you have to understand this is crucial. This is crucial. You have got to lay hands on that nurse's hand with that needle in it. Okay, don't scare her and, and, and you know, ask her, you know, tell her that you're going to pray before she does it. That's fine. You need to be overt. That's the problem. Christians don't understand that the Father must be glorified. If you don't glorify the Father, the likelihood that the Father is going to respond or if the request that you're requesting doesn't ultimately lead to the glorification of our Father through Jesus then the odds or the likelihood, it's a better word, that God is going to answer that are way reduced. doesn't necessarily mean he won't, but they're way, way, way reduced. And the pro- one of the challenges is God knows the, the, the beginning from the end. He doesn't know every, he doesn't micromanage every little thought. He doesn't micromanage every little thing, or else Solomon would never have been Solomon and apostatized against God. Don't even get me going on Saul and everything else under the sun. Praise God. It's all over the Bible. We've got to understand it. God doesn't micromanage every little thing. He allows the dynamics to take place. He spins the tops and gets them all spinning, but when one starts to wobble and that one is trying to walk in his will, He'll thump it on the heading and straighten it out and get it back on the path. Praise God, which is part of what chastening is. Now, all that being said, when you pray for anything, you want to you want to be a show-off. You want to be a showboat. God wants you to be a showboat. I'm telling you that the Father may be glorified in the Son. What? Glory have you given God by laying your hands on that nurse's hand and and manby pamby mumbling to yourself, dear heavenly Father, please, in the name of Jesus. That doesn't glorify God one bit. I told them, you say out loud, loud as can be in front of everybody in that room, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I command this needle to be, this, this fluid to be rendered into saline and to have no power over this body in Jesus' name. And you speak it forth with the authority of Jesus. Why do you think all over the Bible it says how the you know the, the Jews and the Pharisees and the various teachers in the temple would see Jesus and they would say, "Oh, he speaks with such authority." What do you think that actually meant? Do you ever consider that? Why is it said in so many places about Jesus that he spoke with authority? 
Let me ask you a question. Let's let's do an exercise. Jesus is standing at, at a podium. Let's pretend there's a podium there. He's in a temple. And he's sitting there and he's going, well, you know, Abraham, uh, you know, his son uh, Isaac, um, you know, he was on the uh, um, altar and um, he, 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 he was being told, you know, or did Jesus say, Verily I say unto you. See, that's authority. I remember the testimony of one person who was taken to heaven, and when they met Jesus, they came back, and one of the things that stood out in their mind was they couldn't believe it. They said Jesus was a preacher. And we all think it is, you know, we all have this weird, twisted, unfortunate, television-based idea of who he is, which is why I don't ever watch that stuff, because I don't want anybody else influencing my perception of my Lord, because mine comes from experience, and it comes from the Word of God, which is Jesus, John 1, 1 through, you know, 5, 6, all right, amen? that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So you will never be praying amiss. You will never be praying to, for your own lust or your own purposes in life when the, when the end result of your prayer is to make you better in Christ or to help you in some manner achieve something for God. And so I'm giving a testimony of praise through this long, we'll call it a teaching, because so, I suppose it is what it is. Um, I am, I'm going to share this testimony because I want to give God glory. So for the last 12 years, I have been working in this particular company that has gone through some murders and all kinds of things. And the new part of the company that the people that are running the company right now, as you know, I have been beseeching everybody that I know on the radio show periodically to please pray for me and my, with my job. Now, why is that? Does it? Am I praying for my own lust? Am I praying for my own interests? You could say, he's praying for his own interest. He's just worried about paying his electric bill. He, no, no, really, yeah, of course I would like to have electricity. Sure, why wouldn't anybody? That's, that's irrelevant. The big picture is, if I could do this radio show 24 by 7, literally do a program every single day of the week, well, I would probably take at least one day off. You've got to have some personal time. But I'm just saying, you're getting where I'm heading with this. I love to serve God. I adore our Heavenly Father. I love Jesus. I love the opportunity to be able to help people. Even back when I was so much less, so much more seeped in sin, so much more full of iniquity, oh my goodness gracious, with all these weird, twisted, unfortunate, churchianity belief systems that were baked into me all my life, all the way back to 2009 when I first started the website, uh, the whole reason I even set the website up to begin with was because I had realized that there were these evil people known as the Illuminati, and by golly, they were coming after us. 
And I had to warn everybody. And as and, and that came out of my desire to help. I wanted to help. I wanted to warn. I wanted the people to know. I wanted them to be prepared for what was coming after them. And I didn't know diddly compared to what I know right now. Not even tiny bit of diddly diddly. But my heart was in the right place. And I had so much to learn. And I still got, who knows, eternities of stuff to learn, surely. But I'm giving testimony right now, and here's why. I have, now granted, always cautious, and I am asking you, please, some of you pray for me regularly anyway, and I praise God for you. Thank you, Jesus. Um, And I do, and I do pray for you. But I am asking for some extra prayer over this next, for many of us, it's a three-day weekend because of MLK, because it's been adopted pretty widely now as an official U.S. holiday. So I have a three-day weekend. Now, over this three-day weekend, I'm going to be really leaning in and fervently praying in tears. And these aren't contrived tears. I don't have to try to cry. Let me tell you, when when I'm in the presence of God and, and his awesomeness, it's inevitable. I remember somebody said, well, I can't fake cry. I'm like, well, if you have to fake cry, then your heart isn't, isn't in it to begin with. You haven't even gotten to the first step. But I'm going to share this as a testimony to glorify our Father because he deserves it. How many times in the last especially the last three years, have I had to come forth um, because my work situation was dire. They were reorganizing the place. They were firing people by the hundreds. Uh, I I am not going to go into all of the evil that was behind it, the lies that were told, the lives, you know, it's just not worth it. It's, It's irrelevant. It's demonic and evil, and I don't care to even repeat it. But how many times have I been in a situation that I had, I needed prayer, and I threw out a prayer fleece for people to pray over my job? And there was multiple different reasons why I needed that prayer. In some cases, it was to hopefully be spared a layoff. Now, why would that be to glorify the Father, that the Father may be glorified in the Son? Well, if I'm laid off, guess what? I don't have the money to pay for this radio show. As a matter of fact, if I get laid off, what ends up ultimately happening, as we all know, it's a ripple effect, and you have to go into the survival mode. You've got to figure out how you're going to keep a roof over your head. You've got you, – it's an emergency situation. Most people understand that, and if you're retired and you, your house is paid for, you, you may be – you can probably remember back in the past when you were in that situation. So you could easily interpret it as being, oh, he's worried about his job. He's worried about keeping, you know, paying his mortgage and keeping the electric on. In reality, for me, anything that stands between me and my ability to do this radio show – even though I get very frustrated sometimes about how long this is all taking, because <laughs> I can't get a, you know, I'm still stuck in the flesh. 
And I wish we were gone a long time ago. But at the same time, I also see incredible changes overcoming people that otherwise would not have been changed because of the dynamics that are happening in the world, which is, by the way, the reason why I know that nothing's going to change. Everybody thinks something's going to change, or not everybody, but a lot of people do. Oh, this is going to happen, and Donald Trump is going to come back. Praise Donald Trump's name. Hallelujah. I can see the throne room and everybody, just the four and 20 elders, just lowering their heads and shaking them back and forth and going, oh, my gosh. There's 40,000 people in that stadium and they're all praying for Donald Trump. Oh, and just see the whole throne room. Nauseous. That's praying out of your own lust. Oh, no. I'm praying for him because he's anointed by God. You know, I'm praying for him because, I, you know, I want blessings for America. The heck with all the other 194 major countries. Well, I don't care about them. I care about my comfort. I care about my kitty cat. And I care about whether or not my air conditioner is working. And if I can afford eggs, because I like eggs. that the Father may be glorified in the Son by my eggs. But when your heart is where God wants it to be, Proverbs fifteen seven. when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Notice the word even there. That's what calls attention to your spirit, that that, the principle of that scripture is applicable to many godly, precious rewards and protection afforded those who walk in God's will, who pray that the Father may be glorified in the Son, who God knows I don't want to be homeless, but he also knows where my, where my heart is. Our Father knows me. He knows you. Excuse me. And I know that he knows me, and I know that he knows my heart. And I know that he knows that when I'm praying over me, even though it may seem that I'm praying because I'm worried about losing my job, that the real reason that I'm concerned isn't so much that it's going to, I don't, you know, I know eventually I'm going to find another job. I know eventually there's a gazillion things. I could start my own business. There's a whole bunch of different options that I have, but there's only one option, only one of all the different options that I have as far as bringing in an income, only one that would result in a zero interruption to this program, to this radio show, to the work that I do for the Lord, on your behalf. It's been a fantastic blessing for me over all of these years with the beatings, all of the beatings and all of the awful things that I've had to go through in order to be able to share testimony and help other people. But, and it's been hard, But um, there's nothing more rewarding because the whole reason in 2009 I set up the web server in the first place was to help people and to warn them. And I didn't understand any of these things then. That's the key to our prayer. God loves a show. 
He wants to be glorified in front of the Gentiles. He wants to be glorified in front of the unbelievers. He wants to wait until the people come running together before he casts the spirits out. Therefore, when we pray, now see, so you might say, well, hey, Johnny, you laid your hand on your toe and commanded it to be healed. How did that? You know, that wasn't overt. That wasn't waiting for people to come running together, although I wouldn't want people to come running together because, you know, there are certain things you can't unsee, if you know what I'm saying. So you definitely, I wouldn't want anybody to be running together when I'm praying over my toe. But my point is, I knew I I needed that. I needed to not be injured. I needed to be able to function. If I can't walk up and down the stairs, if I cannot do my job, if I cannot do all of these things, it's a domino effect. One thing leads to another. Boom, 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 boom. And if that domino, when those dominoes start to fall, if that last domino has tribulation now written on it, that's where the Father is glorified in the Son. So, Anything in my life that could cause that last domino with tribulation now written on it to fall justifies the intensity and the fleece, the asking of multiple believers to, to, to pray for me. It justifies it because the net end result is God will be glorified. And that's all that matters to me. When I was talking about selling the house and moving up with my sister, now recently God, you know, I won't get into all of that, but the long story short is God wants me to just do what I'm doing and trust him, which leads to the testimony. I know you're like, dang, Johnny, you're long-winded. <laughs> okay, but hopefully I'm, I'm making a, a really robust and well-rounded comprehensive point associated with many different dynamics of our walk. Not just, you know, the, you know, hopefully this is touching you and your understanding, your advanced understanding of who we are and why we pray and how we pray and how important we are to the mission of all of creation. That's the level of importance that is associated with the understanding, the collective comprehensive understanding of what I have been talking about in this testimony thus far over the last 30 plus minutes. That is extremely important for every single one of us. And I hope that your, your spirit resonates with that and understands the importance of that because there, it is. It's so important. Believe me. Everything that I have just shared with you, on a scale of 1 to 10, this is probably a 12. Now, here's my testimony. God likes to be glorified, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Hallelujah. Now, for the last three, maybe four years, my company has been converting into a model that is not good. It has put my job at jeopardy. It has kept me up, pitching, sweating, uh, uh, as, as it says in the Scripture, swimming in my sleep, in my sheets. Nights, uh, I'm just absolute unbelievable stress, watching people's lives be almost wrecked. Maybe one in particular might have wrecked for a while longer. But the point is, 
I can see the writing on the wall. And let me tell you something. There is nothing more difficult. Well, I don't want to say that because that is not true. Um, let me put it. Let me put it a different way. It is very, very, very hard when you are, when your heart is like my heart is, and I I can't quantify it. I can't explain it. But when your heart is like my heart is, everything, everything matters. Everything, every feeling. Every person that you interact with, how they're feeling. I pray for so many people at work and past jobs, all that kind of stuff. I really, my heart is in it. I mean it. I want to see them in heaven. And if you have worked for a company for 12 years, which will be, which will happen by March, I will have been with this company for 12 years. That is a record because when you're younger, you like to climb the ladder. You want to make more money, so you move more frequently and blah, 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 blah. So, but anyway, I, I don't – I hate – who want, I just want to serve God. I don't want to deal with the change. I don't want to deal with anything that's going to interrupt anything. I just want to wake up, get the day job garbage out of the way so I can serve God. And that's it. It's all that matters to me. I hope with all of my heart that that is how you feel too, because that's how we all should feel. Well, long story short, no, actually, well, let me just tie a ribbon on this whole long testimony to glorify God. Now, I'm telling you, it's been a spiritual and earthly roller coaster ride with lots of backtracking. Oh, I don't think I'm doing the right thing. Oh, maybe I shouldn't do this. Maybe I shouldn't do this. Maybe I shouldn't. I don't know, Lord. I don't know, Lord. I don't know, Lord. You know, lots of doubts just peppering at me. You know, warnings from people with good hearts that are trying to say, well, you better be careful because you could be jumping from the frying pan into the fire and this, that, and the other thing. And I thought to myself, you know, Sooner or later, even though I've made some wrong turns, all you know, ultimately for what would have been the right reason, but nevertheless a wrong turn, I have to get past that. I have to get rid of my timidity, stop being timid, and start really trusting God. I've got to get past it. And you know what? I've made a decision. No matter what happens, I'm going to trust God. Simple as that. I'm going to. Well, an interesting thing occurred, but I never brought it up. And, and, and I, 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 I have to, you know, again, I have to lean on this. You, you have to understand. Four years of going through this. I mean, I would stay up sometimes till 1130, 12 midnight on Sunday nights, knowing that I was going to be absolutely exhausted the next day, simply because I dreaded the very idea of closing my eyes. So 
All that being said, without going and itemizing the dozens of events and the dozens of things that I've seen, experienced, and praise Jesus, my understanding of the direction of where my current company is heading, I know where they're going. I don't know if they're going to be successful to try to arrive wherever it is they think they're going to arrive, but I know exactly how and what they're going to do to get there, and it ain't going to be pretty for a lot of people, I can tell you that, because I've experienced it before. They they want to be big four. They want to be like PricewaterhouseCoopers, KPMG, all that kind of stuff, and those companies are as evil as you can get. They lie in your face. They will. It's unbelievable. It's it's evil incarnate on a level that you can't quantify. It, anyway, all that being said, I have experienced that. I know what it's like. To, I, I'm telling you, it's bad. And I see the train coming around the bend. I see that train coming around the bend. And I know exactly where, where, where that train is ahead. And the whole time I'm feeling guilty because what's happening is this this woman, believe it or not, and does, isn't it fascinating how God will use the doggondest people to, to affect change in believers' lives? I happen to know that this particular lady is not a believer. In fact, I've even heard her say things like, you know, Praise the gods for blah, blah, blah. So who knows what she is? I have no idea what she is. But I got along with her very well at work. And I knew that because she was an unbeliever that I didn't want to trip or switch because that would upset her. You know, if you want to get through to somebody, you get through through your actions. You don't beat them over the head with the Bible. You don't stand on the street corner and go, you're wrong. doesn't work. Well, anyway, um, you know, my sensitivities in Christ helped me to recognize that, and her and I worked very well together on a couple of projects. For some wacky reason, she decided that I was the most wonderful thing since sliced bread. I, I mean, you know, she she even went on what they call work day, and she put in a uh, an entry in there. Uh, it, 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 it's I don't know what they call it, but you know, it's like a, it's like a reference, you know. And they put it in there, and and, and she said, you know, John is the, was the best oversight manager I've ever had. I loved working with him, and this, that, and the other thing. It was just absolutely incredibly. Um, praiseful, you know, um, of of her experience in working with me. She put that in just to compliment me and uh, whatever. I don't know. But um, she decided that she just, just really liked working with me. Now, keep in mind, we're talking about 3,000 consultants, an unbeliever. And in the last layoff, she got hit. They lied, 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 and said it was, oh, we only let go of non-performers. This, this woman is not, that is the last thing you can say about this woman. She's a workaholic if she's anything. So, isn't it fascinating that approximately a month after she got laid off, For no really apparent reason. I, I just don't even... It had to be God. She contacts me. 
she, she, she contacts me and she says, hey, I got this job at this company named, you know, and I'm just going to say blankety blank because I, I can't. I can't, there's certain things that have to stay covert. I can't be, you know, certain things I can't say. I simply cannot say them because they put my ability to serve Jesus in jeopardy. That last domino will tip. And I won't do that for nobody. She gets in contact with me. I didn't call her. It wasn't like I called her up on the phone or I didn't have, I don't have her phone number. I, you know, I don't have any of that information. And so, but out of the clear blue, she remembered how to get in touch with me and she got in touch with me and she said, I have just landed a job at blankety blank and I have made it my mission to get you over there to work with me. What for? Why? What was the driving force behind that? Why did she like me that much? She's never even seen my face. It isn't anything like that. It has nothing to do with that. It, there's something more bigger, supernatural going on behind the scenes here. I do pray for her salvation, by the way. And I do believe that she's going to make it into heaven ultimately. She calls me up and tells me how amazing this new company is and all the things about it. And she went off for for a long, long time. It was like a two-hour conversation. Now, in the meantime, I'm thinking to myself, that's really nice of you and everything, but I think I'm just going to stay where I am because I'm a stick in the mud. You know, I'm, I'm old. I don't want to change. I don't want to take any risks. I don't want to jump from the frying pan into the fire. I don't want to make any, you know, that all that stuff. But she just, she just made up her mind. She made up her mind that it was her mission to make, to bring me from where I am now over to where she's working now. I, for the life of me, cannot even think of a reason why she would be so motivated. Now, all that being said, um, in light of the warnings that the leadership of my current company put out, telling everybody that they're going to re, they're going to reorganize the entire company, uh, they're going to, and one of the things they said. Now you could say that this is a compliment, and it is a compliment, but they basically said, you know, they had somehow they had at some point they had told my leadership, senior senior leadership. Uh, that I was going to be moved under another division, another department of the company, and I was going to work for this other lady who's very powerful and highly respected. Now, the fact that that lady would want me to work for her and probably asked that I work for her is an unbelievable compliment. I'm not going to get into all the ifs, ands, and buts, but that's really just a tiny part of the story. At the end of the day, what ended up happening was this lady, the one that said she's going to make it her mission for me to come over and work at that new company, she did. She went to her leadership. She went to the bosses of her company, and she said, you need to go get this guy. That's what she did. <clears throat> And then one thing led to another, and the next thing you know, I got this communication through email and from some guy I didn't know who he even was. And he's like, um, can we set up a time to talk? 
I had three. I am now on, let me think this through, one, two, three, four. I have been through four extended multi-hour interviews, three hours of which happened today. And the ones that happened today were with the actual team that got the, the you know the, the leader the, the, some of the leaders of the various teams, the, you know the guys that actually work there that would be my fellow coworkers, and um, it went unbelievably well. When I say it went unbelievably well, it's not that I had any doubt that I would be able to do well on the interview because I'm just I'm very experienced at these things and and I didn't doubt that I would be able to do well. It wasn't that. The reason why it went well was because I was so full of doubt. I am such a loyal person that the idea of leaving a company that I've been with for that long deeply deeply troubled me i i worried to myself oh no what you know am i going to leave them holding a bag you know are they going to be in a bad situation on account of me you know i i just it's it's my own personal work ethic i care i really 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 care i'm even thinking about some of the customers that are going to be like they're going to be like what he's not there there, I do have some customers that will be like that. I can tell you for sure. And, um, but I was having so many second thoughts. And then today, not only did they meet my salary requirements. Now, of course, it hasn't been finalized on paper yet, so everything's still a little bit up in the air. So I do beseech you for prayer. But and the whole reason, think about it. Can you imagine after four years? of rolling around in my bed, pitching, not being able to sleep, knowing that there's going to be a layoff, knowing that they're going to reorganize everything, knowing that they're going to probably have me traveling Monday through Friday, Monday through Friday, Monday through Friday, until I drop over with a broken, you know, with, with you know, with needing a, a knee replacement. By the way, that happens a lot. That happens a lot in my business, depending on what company you work for. But the new company, they're not traveling hardly at all, at all. And they have no intention of going back on the road. If the customer asks them to, they'll, they will. But as a general rule, they don't push it. They, they, they're, they're, they've been operating very profitably. They have never laid off anybody ever since the company was founded. And the founding fathers of that company were from my original company that I started with as part of my 11-year tenure. They're the same people that founded the prior company, some of them. It's unbelievable. It's like what goes around comes around. It's amazing. This big, giant cycle that went back around to the original company that I had started with way back in 2009, after I got kicked to the street by a big four, 1,500 other people that were lied to as they farmed all the jobs out to India. 1,300 jobs gone, sent to India. You know what the number one thing is I hear every single time I'm given a job at my current company? Be sure to figure out what you can send to India. You understand? The writing on the wall thing. You can practically hear the clock ticking down. 
And I, today, for some reason, I realized that maybe God actually did answer my prayers. I imagine that I, I've been once bitten a thousand times shy. I've made enough mistakes in my walk where I was, you know, I'm on my knees every single day and I'm beseeching the Lord and I'm saying, Father, you know I want to serve you. You know my heart is in the right place. You know, open only the doors that will bless you. Open only the doors and slam shut the rest. Let me walk in your will. I have, I surrender myself into your hands. I am yours. Let it happen. Whatever you want, whatever your will is, open the doors, slam the rest shut. Do not let me make a mistake. I am yours. It is up to you in tears and so my testimony is that even though I was having gazillions of I don't even know but tons and tons and tons of second thoughts today which was wrought with hours of interviews my mind just suddenly had a warm deep unexplainable peace come over it. And the more I interviewed, the more I talked to them, the more the peace increased. The more the peace increased. And I have an unlimited amount of peace over it now. And now my only regret is that I didn't trust the Lord because I've been bitten so many times. I've made so many mistakes, and I've had to pay the price because of those mistakes. And I was afraid, afraid, Lord has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. How easy it is to forget. The problem is once bitten, 15 times shy. That's the problem. It is a very difficult path to recovery when you know that you have made mistakes and have paid the price because of those mistakes that you've made. It is not easy to get back to a place where you fully trust God again because you know that you could dork it up again. Today, after all the roller coaster rides, the ups, the downs, the doubts, the oh no, what am I going to do about this? What am I going to do about that? This, that, and the other thing. Because I'm so infinitely worried about everybody else that I can see a giant train heading directly at me. My toe is jammed between the train rail tracks. <laughs> okay. And I, all I can think about is what about this? customer? What about that customer? What about this person? What about that person? What? Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Completely losing the vision. Completely missing the blessing. All ultimately rooted in a lack of trust for our Father. Now, I, I had some trust, and I had a lot of peace. Even in the midst of my hemming and hawing and hemming and hawing and not being certain and oh, no, 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 and everything. And I am asking for prayer. I am going to be praying fervently about this all weekend long, but I have peace. I didn't at first. 
I didn't at first. But today, that warm rush of peace just just completely came over me. And I actually became excited about something that makes me feel tremendously uncomfortable, which is change, major change. It's very, very, very difficult for me to imagine what it would be like to wake up in the morning on a, on a Monday, having slept really well, and be happy with my job. I can't even conceive it. That's how long the journey has been with this new company that is planning on steamrolling over every single American worker there, and they don't know it. Or they're holding on for dear life, hoping to stay as long as they can to maybe make their retirement and get out of Dodge. Praise God. But anyway, that's my testimony. I wanted to share that with you, but I wanted to wrap it in a gift associated with that the Father may be glorified in the Son and the, how crucial it is to understand that and that that becomes who you are. When that becomes who you are, miracles will start to happen. And to me, this is a miracle. It's a big, 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 it's a really big miracle. Like I said, I really still can't even, I can't conceive. I've been in the pit of work hell, <laughs> our version of work hell. Don't get me wrong. I understand the blessings. I understand that. I know that we have to do, you know, put up with the good and the bad and all. I get all that. But, it, but comparatively speaking, for me to be even to be able to imagine not being in a high anxiety, worried, constantly stressing, you know, fearful of Monday morning, uh, wondering if I'm going to have a job in, in the, the next day, you know, it. I, I don't, I, it, I, I'm, you hear me stuttering? You hear me? That's because I'm stuttering. I can't even believe it. I'm still in a state of disbelief. That's why, so I am asking for you to please pray for me. Please, I hope that you were blessed by this testimony because I tried my very best to wrap it in a very, hopefully a really large bundle of harmonious, spiritually discerned scriptures that I pray in Jesus' name enhance your walk, enhance all of our walks, and it improves the results that we get from being who we are in Christ. Enhancing the results that are a part of your walk so that you aren't spending so many, so much of your life putting out fires that you can't serve God. Because that's exactly where the devil would like to see you. Slapping out the fires, rolling around on the ground getting third-degree burns, and you're so busy nursing yourself back to reasonable health that you don't have any time 
to serve God, to do good things for people, to pay for somebody else's groceries in a store. Can you imagine the impact nowadays? That's what God wants. He wants us all to be enabled. He wants us all to be unhindered. He wants, if there is any reason why God would, now granted, trials and tribulations are always going to be a part of it because that's part of the growth sequence. That's part of the sanctification sequence. That's part of keeping us where we need to be in the secret place of the Most High. Those dynamics, that's why Paul had the thorn in the flesh. Remember that. Don't forget that. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever think that you're going to have a totally problem-free walk. You never want to have a totally problem-free walk. I assure you of that. It is always good to have trials and tribulations in the mix but they shouldn't debilitate you. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. In Jesus' name. I praise your holy name, Father, and I thank you for the, this testimony. Thank you for your prayers.
God, holy Lord Jesus, please cleanse and totally purify our heart, our soul, our spirit, our mind, our flesh, our record-keeping books in heaven, and our robe and gown in heaven, with your precious blood and your holy fire. Holy Lord Jesus, in Jesus' name we pray that we will walk under open heavens with the holy fire of God swirling around about us, making a public spectacle of any attempts to come against us, continuously under an open heaven. We pray, Father God, for a spirit of forgiveness to completely envelope us and blanket us, that we should not hinder that holy fire in open heaven, that it shall be a continuous part of our walk, that you may be glorified, Father that nothing will hinder the prayers and the praise that should come from those of us who serve Thee. In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the blood of the Lamb of God, any entity of the darkness, worker of Satan, live or dead human spirit, member of a witch coven, anything that cannot call Jesus its Lord and Savior, at the moment that you set your wills against us, you shall be immediately struck by the holy fire of God, burning you in a screaming agony, making an example of you across the demonic ether. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray that warrior angels will descend upon you, strike you deaf, blind, and dumb, place you under arrest, cast you into the pit. We declare the fire of God to weld the pit shut. We decree the fire of God to permeate the pit, to burn you into continuous agony, making that public spectacle of you in accordance with Colossians 2.15. And we plead the blood of Jesus to seal the pit, for only the Lamb of God can break the seals. In the name of Jesus Christ, hallelujah. Father, we pray that you will encircle us, encircle our dwelling places, encircle our jobs, encircle our automobiles, encircle our loved ones, encircle their families with a continuous whirlwind of the Holy Spirit like a hurricane intermingled with the holy fire directly from the throne room, from the glory pillar in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And it shall envelop us. It shall wrap around us. It shall cover us on all sides. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, we praise your name. It shall... Form a fire vortex around every utterance of praise, every utterance of prayer, every moment of the day and night. In the name of Jesus Christ, unhindered in Jesus' name, through an open heaven, hallelujah. We praise your name. Thank you, Father. We declare in the name of Jesus Christ that any any uh, earthly or spiritual weapon, any fiery dart that is that is um, launched against us, we declare the fire of God to vaporize it and the entities that launched it against us to be placed into the pit and to be struck by the fire of God in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We declare the fire of God to wrap around us, to, to swirl through the hallways of our workplaces, to swirl through the hallways of 
and, and the various parts of our lives. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus for a platoon of warrior angels, Delta Force angels, powerful angels in the name of Jesus on assignment, on a search and destroy mission to ferret out all attempts to come against us, to shut down all demonic portals in advance, to tear up all demonic contracts and agreements in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ on our behalf to make our path straight in the name of Jesus Christ. We praise your holy name and we thank you, Father. Allow our walk to be unhindered that we may praise you. Allow our walk to be unhindered that we may glorify you. Allow our walk to be unhindered that we may serve thee. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, we praise you. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Praise you, Father God. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. We thank you, Father. We consecrate ourselves. Holy oil time. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, we consecrate ourselves into the complete ownership of the Lord Jesus Christ. Body, soul, spirit, flesh, heart, robe and gown in heaven, into your ownership. We surrender ourselves into your hands. Do with us what you will. Whatever you may do, we praise you. We renounce all things spoken of in the darkness against us. We declare the abundant grace of God, the living water, the crystal river to flow over us. To make us, Titus 1, 15, to the pure, all things are pure. We plead your blood upon us, Lord Jesus. We declare that holy fire to work a continuous supernatural offensive against all entities that would attempt to hinder our ability to serve you, to please you, that you may be glorified, Father, in the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus on your behalf. Praise your name. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. We enter into communion. As your disciples were seated about you at the eve of a That I eagerly yearned for this supper And that you suffer so his children could be fed I can only imagine the silence in the room As you passed on the bread to be told They did not understand the reach of his plan In his love we were told to rejoice not to mourn So we gather from memory the glory of the Lamb, the one who was slain for the seed of Abraham. As we long for your coming, we imagine the feast, the King and his bride. When our waiting has ceased, as you arose and went back up to heaven, to plead to the heavenly courts. You lifted the cup of forgiveness 
It was Kate, it was done. You had power to come, and I can only imagine the thunderous sound as the heaven exploded in tears. We were freed from our chains, and all that remains is to never give in. We are destined to win. So we gather the memories of our soul, destroyer of death. By the time we remember, all scars will be healed. As we long for your coming, we imagine the peace, the Lord and his bride. When our waiting has ceased. you 
You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, right now, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. Can't wait to see that light. Who were once not a people, but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, so as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you are also called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, and whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate upon these things. 1 Peter 2.9, Colossians 3.12, Philippians 4, 8. Jesus went a little further and he fell on his face praying, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Matthew 26, 39. 1 Timothy three sixteen. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by the angels, preached amongst the Gentiles, believed upon, received up in the glory. Timothy 3:16. We pray for purification. Psalm 51, 1 through 14. Father, have mercy upon us. We don't deserve it, but you're an awesome God. According to the amount that you love each and every one of us, which is beyond our comprehension. According to the multitude of your incredible mercy, tender and kind, blot out all of our transgressions Wash us thoroughly from our iniquity and cleanse us from our sin, Father. We acknowledge our transgressions. Our sin is always before us. They're greater than the sands and all the seas. We pray you will forgive us for things that we cannot even remember we thought were done. Father, against you and you only we have sinned and done this evil in your sight. 
that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, Father, we were brought forth in iniquity and in sin our mothers conceived us. Behold, Lord, you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part you will make us to know your wisdom. Purge us with hyssop and we shall be clean. Wash us and we shall be whiter than snow. Make us your joy and gladness, Father God, that the bones that you have broken, that the trials and tribulations that we have gone through may cause us to rejoice and praise you. Hide your face from our sins, blot out all of our iniquity, and create in us a clean heart, Father. Renew a steadfast spirit within us. Make us stronger every day through the trials that we've been through. Restore to us the joy of your salvation and uphold us with your generous spirit. And then we will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you because we will be enabled by your divine protection to continue to serve you unhindered that you may be glorified in the blood that Jesus shed for each of us from that cross. And Father, please, Deliver us from the guilt of our prior sin that we may be set free in our hearts to worship you forever and ever. The Lord's Supper Holy Communion. For I received that from the Lord, that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. He broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. As often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Ani, Vadodi, Vadodi Li. I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine.
you to spread the word. Yes, we hear our truth. I trust in you. Father, we hold up this golden bowl of forgiveness symbolically before you on behalf of all of those who reside in Central America, the Caribbean, and North America. Heavenly Father, we pray in Jesus' name as a royal priesthood, your scripture bears witness, that you will pour out a golden bowl of forgiveness upon all of the peoples, the good and the bad, across all of those lands, from the north to the south to the east, to the west, in Jesus' name. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And it is so true, none of us do. Please, Father, forgive them, even if but for a time. In the name of Jesus, we part the spiritual realm as the Red Sea above the lands of the Caribbean, Central America, and North America, in Jesus' name, for a safe passage for heaven's angels, heaven's resources, and heaven's power to move unhindered through the spiritual realm to bless our Heavenly Father, to fulfill His will, in Jesus' name. Father, as a royal priesthood, as Nehemiah did in chapter 1, verse 6, as Daniel did in chapter 9, 24, we confess of the sins of the peoples of the lands of the Caribbean. We confess of the sins of the peoples of the lands of Central America and North America. We confess of the sins of their first fathers and their fathers' fathers until before there was time. We break all yokes of bondage. We renounce all things spoken of in the darkness against them. We break all generational and bloodline curses throughout every branch of their family trees until before there was time. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Principalities, powers, and strongholds, spiritual host of wickedness and rulers of darkness in high places above the lands of the Caribbean, Central America, and North America, we come against you. In Jesus' name we decree, fire swords of cherubim to be shot down from the heavens and to cut you into pieces. We declare, fire of God to launch down from the glory pillar and to burn you into screaming agony, making a public spectacle of you in accordance with Colossians 2.15, which we bind before the courts of heaven against you. In Jesus' name, and we declare, hundreds of trillions of legions 
legions of warrior angels, fully clad in the armor of God, diamond-tipped swords, sharp as razor blades, and archangels to follow to enter into the spiritual realm and to wage war against you such as never been seen since before there was time. In Jesus' name. Unclean spirits, deaf and dumb spirits, anything that cannot call Jesus its Lord and Savior, binding or hindering the hearts and the minds of the lost across all of the lands of the Caribbean, Central America, and North America, we come against you. In Jesus' name we command you, come forth, strong men, out now, subordinate spirits, come forth. In the name of Jesus we decree an innumerable company of angels of war to swarm upon you, to strike you deaf, blind, and numb, place you under arrest, and cast you into the pit. We declare the holy fire of God to weld the pit shut. We decree the holy fire of God to permeate the pit and to burn you into screaming agony in the name of Jesus Christ. For greater things than these will they do, because our Lord Jesus has gone unto the Father. We plead the blood of Jesus to seal the pit, for only the Lamb of God can break the seals. We declare in the mighty name of Jesus, the holy fire of God, a thorny hedge of protection and a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit like a hurricane to swirl around about them on all sides, on all sides. Let nothing unclean reenter the clean swept house. We plead, Father God, in the name of Jesus, for an outpouring of the crystal river, the living water, your abundant grace into their hearts to fertilize the soil therein, that they, may, that they shall receive the seeds of these prayers. These prayers will bear fruit, and the fruit will remain in accordance with John fifteen sixteen in Jesus' name. And Father, we hold up the hundreds of millions of people across these lands, and we pray in accordance with thy will, that you would be glorified through the blood of Jesus. For an innumerable company of angels of light and love in the presence of our Lord Jesus to descend upon all of these people, the good and the bad, in dreams and visions of the night, continuously and over and over again, to save their souls from the pit, to seal their instruction, Job 13, 14, 33, 14, and 15. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, Lord Jesus, we pray that you will lift your hands, beckon, beckon unto them and call them by their name. Let them feel the presence of your light and your love. Let them know who they are in you. Call them now while there is still time to glorify together with us our Father. Thank you, Father. And Father, I lift up every single person who's listening to this program. I pray fervently with all of my heart that you will bless each one of them. If they're hurting in their hearts, if they're worried, anxious, pitching back and forth in their beds, they're suffering from pain, if their eyesight is diminishing, we command in Jesus' name, through the power of Christ, that all of them shall be healed. We command it in Jesus' name. We decree the blood of Jesus to enter their bodies, that they may glorify you, Father, unhindered, pain-free, Father, you know that we need as many 
prayer warriors, especially advanced ones who understand as we can possibly get. We rebuke all hindrances. We declare the holy fire to protect us, the open heavens to stay open, the demons of darkness to fear and shudder at the very idea of setting their wills against us. I pray, Father, for every single person's job, for every single person's family, every single one who has taken the time to glorify your holy name through prayer, through worship, through praise. Anoint us all, Father, with a time portion of your power, anointing, and glory that we may in turn, unhindered, glorify you till the day that we stand before your glorious light. In Jesus' name we pray and thank you. Amen. See you next Friday, Lord willing. Thank you for your prayers. Lord, we come to you with repentant hearts. We seek you with all our might. Since that the mercy of grace, redeemed we are by your embrace. Praise his holy name. Praise the King of Kings. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? For you we will endure Until you come back for your bride To set her free Write our names in your book of life We are cleansed through your holy sacrifice As we lift your name on high Renew our mind, renew our soul Remove the scars from our past And deem us righteous We rebuke all deceptive lies When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure. We are the branches on a living tree. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure. Until you come back for your bride. Set her free. Watch us as we trim our wicks. 
Our lamps are full, our hearts are right. Like those five wise virgins, we will be. Your bride awaits thee patiently. Longing for that blessed sound, the dead will rise. The churches gather, we're praying that we're worthy, Lord, to join our family. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? We will endure, and while we wait, we will bring forth the fruit of the light of Christ. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then, we will endure Until you come back for your bride To set us free